welcome to an unconventional holiday episode of Who Ate It First. Whoa. Whoa. Holi- Who Ate It First holiday special. Holiday special. I'm Logan Runquist. I'm Kendall Runquist. And today we're taking a total departure because uh, it's my episode and I do what I want. And I also want to see if this type of episode would be fun to do and if you guys are going to like it. This is sort of a watch along and bake along. So we're just going to give this a try and see if everybody likes it. Uh, Please let us know if you hate it or love it. (laughs) And we're just uh, we're just going to see if this works. Thanks for being our guinea pigs. So you don't have to watch the show along with us. But if you're looking for something maybe to do with the family during this Thanksgiving holiday time, this is a really good show for that. It's family friendly. So with Thanksgiving coming up, we won't have an episode next week because we're going to be busy. You're going to be busy. (laughs) Everyone's going to be busy. Um, So hopefully this episode can tied you over for two weeks cool 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 so today we're going to be taking a recipe from an episode of the great british baking show and making it at home so you can watch the episode also because we watched the episode so that we could get all of the information from it so that's kind of why i called it a watch along and bake along We're going to talk about the episode, give a history on the dish as we usually do in true Who Ate It First fashion, and then do our normal kitchen session and raver roast to see how we did. And which episode are we watching? So today we're going to start off with the first episode that's available on Netflix right now in the United States. Collection number five, episode one. The theme is Cake Week. The U.S. version is a little bit out of order. So if you're in another country listening to this, for you, it's probably going to be Series 8, Episode 1, originally airing in 2017. The U.S. and Netflix got out of order due to licensing and things aired out of chronological order. So our numbering system is completely different than other countries. (laughs) Um, Thank you, Netflix. We did attempt to try to do the very very first like true first episode of uh great british bake-off or yes, they great... call it bake-off we have baking show they yeah. have bake-off <laughs> same thing um that was hard to find <laughs> I, we tried pbs for some reason the first season was unavailable on pbs <laughs> yeah. and then we also found it on roku and attempted to watch it there but the quality was so bad. It was such low res. How bad was it? (laughs) (laughs) It made me go cross-eyed within the first 30 seconds of watching it. It was awful. Yeah, me too. I couldn't, I don't want to subject you to that. (laughs) And I don't want to subject myself to that. Yeah, no, absolutely You being the listener. So, because like you mentioned, you wanted this to be potentially like a, a listen along thing. So... Um, yeah, we're not making you find it on PBS or Roku. Um, if it becomes available in the future and we want to do more of these episodes, then maybe we'll tr- try to attempt those later. Um, 
but we wanted to find the one that was the easiest to access for the majority of people that yeah. listen to our podcast. Exactly. So the easiest way for you to find it, open up Netflix, type in the search bar, Great British Baking Show, and like the earliest, earliest one, it should say Collection 5. And that is where we are. A little background on the show, if you've never, ever watched it. It's a British baking show, as the name would suggest, with a panel of famous British pastry personalities as judges. And each episode, they have three challenges with one person eliminated at the end of each one. And the first challenge is a signature challenge. They can practice this at home. They're given parameters that they can do kind of whatever they want that fits the brief. The second challenge is called a technical, and they're given that day of all ingredients are given to them uh, covered so they don't know what it is beforehand, and they try to create a dish with a pared-down recipe, relying on their baking knowledge and intuition to sort of fill in those gaps. And lastly is a showstopper, which is a lengthened time challenge and is usually kind of crazy. They can practice for this one at home as well. Uh, they're given the brief ahead of time. And they, again, can do whatever they want that sort of ticks all of the boxes that the judges are looking for. And speaking of those judges, they are a gentleman named Paul Hollywood. And that is his real last name because I checked. And I knew you were going to ask me. <laughs> I checked. That is his real last name. His father was also a Hollywood. So I think it's a family name. <laughs> And he rose to fame baking in various British and international hotels. And in this season, we have Prue Leith. And this is Prue's very first episode after Mary Berry's exit. Um, Prue is a dame, which is very cool, slay. And she is a South African restaurateur, television pre presenter, broadcaster, cookbook writer, and novelist. She's also... Chancellor of Queen Margaret University of Edinburgh. <laughs> okay. Also slay. So she's the <laughs> chancellor of a university. That's cool. I also checked. It's not the same as a president. Like, you know, like we have president of like Baylor. Mm -hmm. um, it's sort of someone that's of higher rank that helps make decisions. I had no idea that uh, she held that title as well. And I didn't know she was a dame. That's cool. <laughs> right. Thank you, Internet, for telling me stuff. Um, we're also joined by two hosts or comedic relief, and these do tend to change. But as of this season, we have Noel Fielding of the Mighty Boosh comedy troupe, or if you've also seen the YouTube video, <laughs> Old Greg. I'm Old Greg. I'm Old Greg. <laughs> That's not very family friendly. I don't really recommend you look that up. Yeah, don't. Don't look that up. I mean, it's... So weird. It's very British humor. If British humor is your thing, then like go for it. But it's very sort of yeah. strange. That was popular, what, when we were in high school? That was popular, yeah, probably 15, 15 years ago, like very early on YouTube. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it got on there. It was a it was a skit from the Mighty Boosh, so mm -hmm. I'm really not sure how that made it on there. Anyway, we also have Sandy Toxvik. Sorry, that's Danish. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> She's a writer, comedian, broadcaster on British radio, stage, and television. So those are our core personalities that we're sort of working with. So I was just going to jump sort of right into the episode. Yeah. Is that cool? Yeah, go for it. 
Okay. The contestants this year are James, Stacy, Liam, Julia, Sophie, Peter, Chris, Yan, Flo, Tom, Kate, and Steven. And Liam is our youngest baker this year at 19 years old. It's so funny because we see stuff with him in it now. Yeah. And he's a lot older and I'm like, what happened to that young, <laughs> sweet little kid? Yeah, I think we did the math and he should be like 25 now, right? Yeah, he should be like 27. And we're 27. like, what a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's very cute and young in this. And so for the first challenge for Signature, they were asked to make a family-sized fruity cake, which means fresh fruit in a cake, no dried fruit, no raisins, no sultanas, no nothing like that. And they have a two-hour time limit. And I won't bore you with talking about each person's thing. A play-by-play. I thought about it, but I think that would make this episode really long. (laughs) So I'll just do sort of the end. So I I am going to do spoilers. So if you don't want to hear spoilies, maybe fast forward a few minutes. Um, But Stephen and Sophie both receive handshakes from Paul, which is a very coveted reward (laughs) Um, for their apple cake and their pineapple coconut cakes, respectively. The technical challenge is making... 12 chocolate mini rolls, and those are essentially what Americans would know as ho-hos or mini Swiss rolls. And they have two hours to complete this challenge. They all get the same ingredients. The recipe is very sparse. It's like, make the chocolate sponge. The technical challenge always has a pared down recipe. So they're usually given a recipe, but yeah, like you said, it's like, Make the cake is step one. Yeah, make the cake. Yeah. So you have to rely a lot on your your baking acumen. Yeah. To be able to accomplish these technical uh, technicals. Mm-hmm. And this was Prue's recipe. Like each judge sort of is the the bringer of this recipe each time. This was Prue's recipe. But Paul is notorious for one of his instructions simply being bake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. No temperature, no time, no nothing. Literally, like he's notorious for that. So top marks for this one went to Kate. She had very similar sized uh, mini rolls, the beautiful swirl, peppermint flavor, and the decor were all really good. So she received uh, first in the technical. If I remember correctly, a lot of them were pretty rough and ready. They were, yeah. They were very special. Yeah, they were a little <laughs> um, haphazardly sort of decorated there at the end. Yeah. Because it's, you know, you work really hard in the beginning to put your sponge together and get it, you know, in the oven. And oftentimes you are rushed at the end, rolling it up and decorating. And so things melt because your cake is still hot. Yeah. I honestly think that's really the true thing that, gets everybody in these technicals because i'm sure all of these uh bakers given you know not a time limit they could have knocked all of these out of the park no problem Mm -hmm. but that time pressure is what makes it a lot more challenging yes and if you mess up some people choose to start over so if you've messed up your sponge in the beginning and you toss it then Mm -hmm. you've lost all that time that could be used to cool it later yeah and there is a rigorous process to get on the show so you're correct in saying that, like, all these bakers could could do this no problem. I'm sure they had to in order to enter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, 
it's a pretty rigorous process to get in. This is a very coveted like Thing. TV show to get on. And there's no prize money, actually. I learned that. Hmm. You simply get an engraved cake stand and just, just often it comes. Yeah. yeah. But often with that, it comes with like cookbook deals. Some people get a TV show after it. But like the the company that puts this on, like there's no prize money. Hmm. That's a very, that's um, like an American thing. That's an thing. American thing. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Yeah. So you literally like you win and it's like, well, what'd you win? Well, I won this engraved cake stand yeah. um, and some flowers. I just went through that just to go through it. Yeah, but in America, be like, no, I want a million bucks. Man. Yeah, I want you know fifty thousand dollars or whatever. So anyway, I just I thought that was funny. Anyway, now we are on to the showstopper challenge. They were asked to make an illusion cake, and basically that is a cake that looks like something else other than cake. So for example, Stephen made a what looked to be a bread loaf and a sandwich with bacon, lettuce, tomato on it. But in reality, all of that was made of cake, completely edible, and obviously did not taste like a BLT. It tasted like whatever his sponge flavors were. Yeah, and that was incredible. Incredible. It was amazing. He had an airbrush with edible paint, and that is how he got this very realistic color on the bread yeah but even with that like that takes a lot of skill with Mm -hmm. that airbrush to be able to make all of that look realistic yes getting your colors right getting the airbrush just correct like it was it was incredible exactly and that is exactly why he won star baker yeah which means you sort of slay in all three challenges yeah which i totally agree uh with them in that decision for Mm -hmm. star baker i uh I don't remember if he wins this season, but I I forgot how hard he came out swinging. Because, mm-hmm. like, his first thing was, like, incredible. And then mm-hmm. they blew it out of the water with the showstopper right mm-hmm. out of the gate. Yeah. I would have been super intimidated if I was one of the competitors and he brought that up. I'm oh, like, I would. Uh, <laughs> uh-oh. <laughs> I would poop myself. For yeah. sure. <laughs> for sure. And sadly, the first person eliminated was Peter. He struggled in every challenge he seemed like a very sweet gentleman but sadly he just it didn't seem like he was sort of up to par with everyone else anyway that was a great episode we enjoyed watching this one cake week is always a good one for sure so i want to replicate those chocolate mini rolls that they did on the show are you gonna have the time challenge too I'm going to try. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, I'm going to okay. try. Yeah, okay. I'm going to try to keep it to two hours if we can. I will need your help. Sure. Because as I've said a lot on this show, I'm really not that great at baking. Um, we'll also, we'll pause the uh, timer while we're taking pictures, I guess, too. Oh, yeah. So two hours plus, <laughs> yeah. you know, change because we always have to slow things down to like take videos. Yeah, of what we're making. That's true. We'll try to stick as close to two hours as we can. So yeah, but before we get into the baking, we wanted to ask our classic question here on this podcast. So who ate this dessert first? And I was Googling mini rolls and, you know, what that name really means. And I think that sort of derives from Swiss rolls. These are essentially Swiss mini rolls. So I'm doing the history of Swiss rolls. Sick. (laughs) I got my episode info. Nope. 
words. I got my information from SwissColony.com because we love their products around Christmas time. <laughs> my family always gets their um their sausage, like beef stick. Oh, okay. And cheese balls, pedophores. Have you ever had anything from Swiss Colony? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know what you're referring to. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, they're a pop-up stand. They're a store, uh-huh. international, but you most see them popping up in malls sort of nationwide and it looks like a big like red cart and that's sort of their logo Hmm, and they sell all kinds of foodstuffs for your thanksgiving or christmas tables um yeah i'm sure you'll see pedophores when we go to my parents house for christmas yeah i don't think i've ever seen that that's hilarious well anyway for those of y'all that know swiss colony is a household name um So the origins of the term Swiss roll are unclear. Um, In spite of the name Swiss roll, the cake is believed to have originated in Central Europe, possibly in Austria or Slovenia. And it appears to have been invented in the 19th century, along with the Battenberg cake, donuts, and Victoria sponge. These all sort of cropped up in that same time period. Now in the US, prepackaged versions like Ho-Ho's are popular. So you've probably heard of those where you cut it halfway like down the middle. There's a swirl in the middle. Specific type of roll cake like these, I'm sure you've heard called a Yule log. Yay. And speaking of Yule logs, throughout the years, cakes were baked in molds shaped and decorated to look like animals or other things such as Yule logs to celebrate Christmas and the winter solstice. There are historical references in the late 1800s that indicate a French pastry chef developed a log-shaped cake to resemble an actual Yule log. And I'm not sure how long this episode is meant to go, so we can cut this if we need to. But I wanted to talk about the history of a Yule log because it's interesting. Okay. 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 On thejoyofbaking.com, they go on to discuss Bo Freeberg in his book, The Professional Pastry Chef. It gives us a little history on the Yule log. He tells us it was a tradition dating back from pre-Christian times to honor the god Thor and celebrate the winter solstice with the building of a bonfire. The story goes that as Christmas came to replace the winter solstice celebrations, France carried on the tradition for a Yule log by cutting down a tree each year and then placing it in the fireplace so that the heat from the log could be used to prepare the Christmas Eve midnight supper. The ashes from this Yule log were believed to hold magical and medicinal properties that would ward off the evil spirits in the new year. And the tradition of substituting a real Yule log with a dessert Yule log, or also called a bouche de Noël, probably started when homes were built without fireplaces so that they didn't have to burn a real log. So back to the edible kind. A Yule log cake is a dessert traditionally served around Christmas, popular in France and Quebec, also known, as I said, as a bouche de Noël. Most common combination of flavors is a basic yellow sponge cake and chocolate buttercream filling. However, there's any sort of variation that you want, including chocolate sponge cake with ganache, different flavored icings, really versatile. You can do anything with it. 
Once baked, it's typically decorated to look like a tree branch with icing that looks sort of bark-like. And fresh fruit, flowers, cream, berries, all other sort of forest-like decorations are common additions. And later on, jelly was also added into the filling. And so you've probably also heard like a jelly cake, a jelly roll cake, things like that. That is very similar just with the addition or substitution of jelly for buttercream. Do you know if Yule logs are common in America or is this more of a European This is definitely more of a European thing. Um, I'm sure there's some people that, you know, their ancestors brought it over Mm -hmm. or they have family members in the UK or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I, I don't know really anyone that makes these around Christmas, but if you go to the UK, these are all over like United Kingdom, London, Ireland, like these are super, super popular. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought. I was just curious. Yeah. So just a scoosh more history. The earliest British reference to a rolled cake by the name Swiss roll appeared on a Bill of Fare, also known as a Bill of Sale, dated June 18, 1871. And a recipe for a Swiss roll also appeared in the United States in that year in the cookbook, The American Home Cookbook, published in Detroit, Michigan. But even before that, in 1852, there's a published reference to a rolled cake spread with jelly in The Northern Farmer, which is a journal out of New York. So we have a couple of dates in which this has appeared. This is fascinating because countries all over the world have adopted this cake. In Germany, they have biscuit roll. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's what it is. It's biscuit, like our dog, that's mm-hmm. spelled with a K instead of a C. In Indonesia, they have bolu golong. In Italy, they have rollo. In Mexico, they have niño in vuelo, which means wrapped infant. I'm assuming <laughs> that refers to the Jesus. I hope. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's what that means. And in the Philippines, they have Pionono. There are so many other countries' variations listed. That's straight off the Wikipedia page. If you're interested, you can go look, but I don't want to make you sit here for forever and listen to that. Just know that there's a lot more. So yeah, so that is uh, episode summary and some little history on the Swiss roll. Awesome. I'm getting hungry, so we should probably go and make some of these. We probably should. So this recipe, Prue had it set for 12 portions, but we decided to cut ours in half to six portions. So... (laughs) Yeah, we don't need 12 of these in the house. We don't need 12 of these. (laughs) I thought about making all 12 and then taking some home for the holiday, but uh, I think they'll get dried out. Yeah, at the time of recording this, um, I'm not sure logistically it's going to work out great. They'll probably not last. Yeah, I don't think they'll like keep very well. Yeah. I don't know. They might just become mush. Mush or dry. They might or get dry. dry. Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Anyway, so we're making this um, verse six. I can post the full recipe in its entirety later. But right now I'm reading for six portions. For the sponge, you're going to use 30 grams cocoa powder, 
15 grams unsalted butter melted, half a teaspoon vanilla extract, two tablespoons boiling water, three large eggs separated, 75 grams of caster sugar, or finely, finely granulated sugar. Yeah, so to cut you off real quick, uh, <laughs> let's hop over to Kendall's Fun Fact Town. Um, Great, my favorite town. <laughs> I did some quick research on this because I was curious. And caster sugar, so in the U.S., there's we have granulated sugar, which is what we commonly use pretty much in all of the bakes that we make. Um, in the U.K., I think they use caster sugar fairly frequently. They also do have something called granulated sugar in the U.K., but their granulated sugar is coarser and bigger crystals than our granulated sugar. Mm. So our granulated sugar sits somewhere between their caster sugar and granulated sugar. Mm. So what I read was if you really wanted to, you can throw US granulated sugar into a food processor and make it a little bit more fine, but you also run the risk of making it too fine um, and hitting that, just making it too fine. It can be too attractive. It can be too attractive. <laughs> And turning it into a texture that's closer to a powdered sugar or an icing sugar in the UK. Mm. Uh, Those are the same thing, Mm -hmm. I believe. Icing sugar and powdered sugar are basically the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think we're still just going to use normal granulated sugar for the US. Um, But yeah, I was just, I thought that was interesting. Anyway, back over to you, Logan. (laughs) Thank you for that fun fact in Fun Fact Town. Or wherever you said you lived. Kendall's Fun Fact Town, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> TM, patent pending, <laughs> our restricted copyright. <laughs> so for the filling, you're going to use 75 grams unsalted butter softened, 150 grams of icing sugar or powdered sugar, half a teaspoon peppermint extract, And to finish for uh, sort of the decoration, 100 grams of 70% dark chocolate, 100 grams milk chocolate, and 50 grams white chocolate. They also noted that you'll need uh, two Swiss roll tins. Um, I don't really think you need them. We're just going to use a baking tray. They're 30 by 20 centimeters rectangular. Yeah, which also, uh, while I was (laughs) running around at the grocery store, I happen to walk by all the the tins that you can buy and that's also basically equivalent to a 13 by 9 baking pan mm. so you could also just use a, a normal 13 by 9 which might be better because that you're has talking a, inches yeah 13 by 9 inches in the u.s that equates to like 32 point something centimeters by 22 something centimeters so like it's not exactly but that's the closest equivalent that you'll probably find in the U.S. is a 13 by 9 baking tray. Mm. Thank you, honey. You're also going to need some baking paper and some small disposable piping bags or Ziploc bags. Step one, you're going to heat the oven to 180 degrees Celsius or 350 degrees Fahrenheit. You're going to make the sponge by sifting the cocoa powder into a small bowl adding the butter, vanilla, boiling water, and combining. And then you're going to set this aside. Okay, so we're not doing this technical style where it just says make the sponge. Uh, No, honey, I can't do that. I need instruction. (laughs) I know, I'm just kidding. I need instruction, and preferably I need a YouTube video telling me what to do. (laughs) This isn't as accurate as the TV show. So sorry to disappoint. 
if you want to do that, you can step, by all means. Step one, make it. <laughs> step, step two, two eat bake. it. Oh, no, you got to bake it. Uh, step one encompasses everything. Oh, Lord. Just make the whole thing. Got it. Good luck. So step three, you're going to put 50 grams of the caster sugar and the egg yolks into a bowl and whisk together until light, thick, and fluffy. Add your chocolate mixture and whisk until combined. Step four, in a separate bowl, whisk the egg whites to stiff peaks. Add the remaining 25 grams of caster sugar and whisk until the sugar has dissolved. Step five, beat one-third of the meringue mixture into the chocolate mixture. This is to loosen. I'm assuming that means to make it lighter. Not entirely sure what to loosen means. But using a large metal spoon, fold the remaining egg whites through the mixture until fully combined. That's making me think of the TV show, Schitt's Creek, David and Moira. Oh, fold in the cheese. cheese. David, fold in the cheese. (laughs) Step six, divide the mixture between two line tins and level out. Bake for 12 to 18 minutes until cooked through and springy. Step seven, place the tins on a wire cooling rack. Cover with a damp tea towel and leave to cool completely. Step eight, make the filling. Beat the butter in a bowl with a wooden spoon until soft. Then gradually beat in the icing sugar. Add the peppermint extract and continue beating until white, soft, and blubby. Step nine, turn out the cooled cakes onto the two sheets of baking paper. Peel off the top layer of baking paper. Turn the cake so that the short end is facing you. Score a line four centimeters in from one short end of each cake. Spread the peppermint cream over the top and towards the edges. Step 10, take one sponge and starting from the short edge closest to you, the one with the scored line. Oh, I see. Roll the cake, stopping in the middle. Repeat from the edge furthest away until both rolls meet in the middle. Cut down the center between the rolls, and then you have effectively made two Two. logs. (laughs) Repeat with the remaining sponge so you have four rolls or logs. Trim the ends and cut the roll into three so you end up with 12 mini rolls. And then you place your rolls seam sides down on a cooling rack, chill for 15 minutes to firm up. That's where a lot of people went wrong. (laughs) Step 13 to finish, melt the dark and milk chocolate together in a bowl suspended over a pan of barely simmering water. Place the cooling rack over a baking tin to catch the chocolate and dip, spread, or pour your chocolate over each mini roll to coat. You can leave the bottom um, like uncovered Mm -hmm. or whatever and leave it to set. That was an indeterminate amount of time on here, so not sure. But yeah, just uh, when you when you touch it, if the chocolate is hard and doesn't, you know, touch your finger, then you're good. Get it. It shouldn't take very long, with everything already being cool. Cool. Step fourteen: melt the white chocolate into a bowl again over a double boiler. Spoon into a small disposable piping bag and snip the end. Pipe fine stripes across the mini rolls. And then leave to set. And then eat them. One thing I just want to clarify was um, her recipe has you make two separate cakes. But since we since we cut the recipe in half, we're only making one cake. 
Right. So all those ingredients where it says like each cake, repeat, whatever. Mm-hmm. We're not doing that for our part because we're just making one of those cakes essentially. Let's make these bad boys. Okay. Let's do it. And then we'll be back for Raver Roast. Woo! Is that our new theme song for... You do that all the time. That's from the holiday. One of the best Christmas slash year-round movies. (laughs) This is now a movie podcast. Goodbye. (laughs) How do you you rate it? Uh, Well, it's your episode, so you start. I do That's how we do these things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You tell me every week. (laughs) I feel like I did pretty good. Yeah, I agree. They were edible. <laughs> they they were more than edible. They were great. They were pretty darn good. I definitely poured too much chocolate on at the end, which oh, was yeah. my fault. I should have, I think I should have melted more and poured more in one go than like I did it like twice. Like I poured it from the bowl and then I scooped and some. Then, right. And then after. Yeah. So it made it like too thick, I think. Yeah. Well, we could have done probably is you pour it on top and then taking that little spreader to spread it around the sides instead of having poured it on the top that started dry then we pour again and get the sides yeah so yeah that was my bad but other than that honestly those were pretty good yeah and i've never really had anything like this before i mean i guess i've had a ho-ho but ho-hos don't have a hard exterior they're soft all the way around. Yeah. I mean, they have a chocolate around it, but it's a much thinner layer. Than... And it's soft. This is hard chocolate, like a hard shell. Yeah. Or was mine bad? Was it not supposed to be hard, do you think? No, I, I mean, I think it's just better quality cho- chocolate. And it is a, it was a thicker layer, so that's why it was harder. I guess. Well, anyway, I mean, yeah, I think they were pretty good. Mm-hmm. You were very helpful. I needed help with this one. <laughs> I usually can't do like really baking heavy things by myself. Yeah. Well, you just need some some guidance and some tips. But you did all the baking parts. I didn't actually touch pretty much anything. I just um, was, was basically directing you behind the scenes while I was video videoing the content. Quite literally, he was video producer. And I hate to plug our Instagram before the end, but we changed our setup And we're trying to just make this look more professional because perhaps maybe we'll transition into video podcasting. We're not really sure, (laughs) but uh, we were just trying a new setup. So yeah, follow our Instagram. (laughs) Follow our Instagram. Uh, We're also going to be opening up a TikTok to see how that goes. Uh, Kendall just spoke (laughs) it into existence, so I guess I have to now. (laughs) So yeah, if you want to see our our new setup... um, Felt very professional. We had like lighting and everything. So yeah, y'all, I have a tiny ring light and it came in clutch. <laughs> yeah, felt pretty legit. So yeah, definitely uh, check these out. They turned out really, really nice looking. I think. Yeah. So um, yeah, if you want to go check out our process, definitely check out the Instagram. Honestly, not bad. So as far as an overall rating, I don't know. I'd give myself like an eight or okay. an eight and a half, maybe. Eight and I don't half. know. Um, I feel like the sponge was okay. If we would have had, I don't know, maybe the correct tin, it could have been more even, but parts of it were thinner and part of it broke off. Oh, like the very edge of it? Yeah. 
that was like a solid inch that sort of just ripped off. So hence when you see the pictures, half of them are smaller than the other half. It was because one side wasn't as long. So when I rolled it to the middle, I was like, well, that extra inch isn't there. What do you think? Okay. Uh, I'm going to give you an 11 out of 10. What? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm absolutely serious. Are you joshing me? No, I thought they were delicious. I love these things. Thank you. They were so good. Oh, dang. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, I you did everything with the cake, correct? You folded it in everything. It had it was super airy. Um, so you did a great job. It was tricky because it doesn't have flour in it, so it's hard to have it hold its shape. So yeah. While we were peeling the stuff off, and this was my fault, this was not your fault. Because I was the one peeling it off at the very. Do you think it needed more like greasing? No, I just was not being careful enough at the end and ripped the the last bit off. Um, So that was entirely preventable. That was my fault. It was still thin though. I think I needed to spread it out a little bit better to make it more even. Well, I think it was also just thin because that pan is a couple centimeters longer on both its width and length than what they use in the UK. So it was going to be thinner. So there was nothing that we could do about that. But yeah, I, I think despite that, it still tasted amazing. Like the um, the the filling is super good. Just the right amount of peppermint that mm-hmm. it doesn't taste like toothpaste. It tastes like you're eating this like really lovely chocolate and um, peppermint thing. And neither of them are overpowering the other. Like you can get the chocolate, but you also get the peppermint. And it's, in my opinion, like the perfect combination of the two where it's neither of them are overpowering each other. They're both the right quantities. Yeah. Um, And yeah, like I I want to go eat another one. <laughs> so. <laughs> well, good thing we have uh, five Yeah. Left. <laughs> I was a little sad. I uh, encourage you to cut the recipe in half. Now I'm a little sad about it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We do not need 12 of those. We don't need 12. Um, <laughs> I don't need to eat six of those. But oh my yeah, gosh. <laughs> no, they were, I probably won't actually have another one tonight because they're, they're fairly rich. Yeah. Um, But so good. Super, super good. So um, yeah, 11 out of 10. Thank you, honey. Super tasty. Well, Prue's recipe, honestly, she did a really good job. That was yeah. easy to understand once you were standing there doing it. Yeah. So. Well, and that's a trickier, trickier thing to make. It said need skill at the top, and yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> guess I should give up now. <laughs> yeah. No, that's definitely one of the trickier things that we've made in the podcast. So the the trickiest part is the rolling aspect. Um, but That was tough and very stressful. Yeah. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> but your roll was great. It turned out really good. It was okay. It could yeah. have been tighter. Yeah. Well, the first tighter. side was pretty much perfect, in my opinion. Um, the second side, obviously, yeah, we just didn't have enough of the stuff. So. Mm-hmm. I should like to make a full Yule log sometime. Mm-hmm. It was super good. Um, definitely challenging, but a fun challenge, I think, to bake. We've definitely made some things that I have not in- wanted to ever touch again. But I thought this was fun. Oh, and timing-wise, we were actually pretty dang close, even with videoing. Uh, we hit two hours and 15 minutes. Hey, so only 15 minutes over. Yeah. Not too shabby. So, yeah, pretty good. And I didn't have to restart. You did not, no. Which I've had to do that before. I have to because <laughs> I messed something up. Yeah, everything turned out really good. Sweet. So granted, I will say, obviously, we had the whole recipe. <laughs> yeah, obviously, when it's just like, make the chocolate sponge, you're like, hmm, 
Okay. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so, yeah. So we did have an advantage that we were able to read the entire recipe. Yeah. Uh, but still, time-wise, with videoing everything ourselves, two hours and 15 minutes. Not too bad. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> so hope you guys can watch that episode. Again, it's very wholesome, family-friendly. You can watch it during the Thanksgiving holiday break. Um, yeah. So hope you guys enjoy that. I hope you guys like this episode. If you like it, let us know. If you didn't like it and you prefer us to go back to what we were doing before, let us know. <laughs> well, and this is just a holiday special. So we, we will be going back to our normal content for the rest of the season for the last two episodes. But we would just want to do a special holiday episode. Um, but yeah, definitely we'd love to get feedback on if you guys like this content and maybe we'll do more episodes like this. Um, or if you hate it, then <laughs> we won't, obviously. But yeah, I think that's going to wrap it up. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening to our holiday episode. Like you mentioned, we're not going to be having an episode next week, but we will be back to finish up the season after Thanksgiving just so we can do Thanksgiving and have a break. So we'll have two episodes left. We're still doing the challenges. I think since this is the sixth episode, this will be 45 listens, something like that. Yeah, definitely let your friends and family know about the episodes. If you listen on a podcast platform that allows rating, rating the episodes is super helpful. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, we'll probably be putting a TikTok out there pretty soon, see how that goes. It may or may not exist by the time you listen to this podcast. We'll see. It probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to Who Ate It First. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I am, have been... What? And forever shall be Kendall Runquist. Nice. And I am Logan Runquist most of the time. <laughs> this has been Who Ate It First. We will see y'all in two weeks. Bye. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye. Bye.